please redeem this conversation somehow. I know. I mean, we've been recording uh, all of this, so yeah. That's kind of that's kind of how our intros work, Spencer. This is I how know. we're going to fill our bonus material up. Yeah, that's right. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Star Wars Historians. We are beginning our divergence into the sequel trilogy for our Star Wars Rewatch series. Of course, this is Luke Forney, as always joined by my co-host David Gonzalez. Hello there. And also joined by a very special guest who has previously been on the podcast to talk about the sequels before. It's one Spencer Price. That's right, guys. I'm back to talk about the sequels again. Yeah. <laughs> So a here we are. Not all three. Yeah, of them. a sequel. Not all three of them. We're here to talk about the Force Awakens. And boy, howdy, do I just get the feeling that we're really going to get into the weeds on this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just before we get into any weeds, I just want to say I had a banger of a time. It was a really great movie. Yeah, I enjoyed. The I movie. enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would too. I wrote a lot more notes over Force Awakens than I did any of the original <laughs> trilogy movies. That's fair. And here's the unfortunate thing is that I never got one text while <laughs> you were apparently taking notes and I'm offended. Uh, I it's okay. Most of my notes were just not that deep. They were just like noting things that I thought were like little moments that I thought were good and little moments that I thought could have been different. And and we'll get into all of those tonight. Not well, not literally all of them, but the ones that matter, we'll get into tonight. Every single one. Mm-hmm. Every <laughs> single one. That's basically how we started off the rewatch Little do series. the listeners know that they have entered a Force Awakens minute by minute podcast. <laughs> well, oh, no. Maybe yeah. one day. I have something maybe to say. Suddenly a thousand voices just cried out <laughs> in, in despair. I wanted to just say, I've actually been holding on to this statement for a little while because I wrote it down when the Phantom Menace rewatch episode came out. I was listening to the Phantom Menace episode. Shout out to Cody and Abby Tooley for doing a great job just paving the way on episodes one and two. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. I had a... It's a different podcast. <laughs> I had a huge... Re- yeah, well, I can do my own jokes if I'm guests on this podcast. <laughs> I had a huge eureka moment on why I actually love the sequels. Uh, and David, your dad, David Gonzalez the first, actually mentioned this too. They talked about how when they turned on the Phantom Menace and the Star Wars theme plays, and it just hits different. And that was the experience for me seeing The Force Awakens in theaters. At the time, it was like late high school for all of us, and yep. secretly I was I was high on the MCU train, uh, Marvel train, because it was, but it wasn't cool, so I was secretly on the train, you know, mm. and. Uh, we just went to see The Force Awakens with my family. My cousin's a big prequels fan, which I don't understand that, but he loves them. And then I was just so excited when a long time ago and a galaxy far, far away showed on the screen. I just got giddy when that when the theme played. And I haven't loved Star Wars much at all since I was younger. Like I grew up on the prequels like you guys, but I just hadn't thought about it very much. Anyway, I totally moved on. And now I'm Definitely not an expert or mega fan of Star Wars, but I got back into Star Wars because of The Force Awakens. And now I love the originals and the prequels again. And I have The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi to thank for that. Mm. David, shout out to our first watch of The Last Jedi in theaters. Ugh, yeah. No, and uh, what I'll say to that, Spencer, is thank you for sharing that. Because I think that that gets lost whenever we, when people talk about the sequels, they mm-hmm. seem to forget that for a lot of people, this is either their first experience with Star Wars or they're one of the movies that really got them into, yeah. I wouldn't say into the entire universe of Star Wars, but has made them, you know, a fan who is along for the journey that is the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that line that we see in The Force Awakens that, that I believe was in the trailer for The Force Awakens, that, that there's been an awakening is true not just for the Skywalker story, but also for the kind of Star Wars universe. I mean, you had like over 10 years without any films 
and very few actual like content things being released by LucasArts, Lucasfilms. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think no matter what we think about the sequels, we have to be thankful that it's it's through these movies that we have had a kind of revival of Star Wars, as it were. And a revival of like the angry Star Wars fans, I guess, too. <laughs> That was always yeah. that was always going to be part of the deal. But there, I think so. Yeah. No angry fan has ever really gone. That's true. Unfortunately. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll just jump into this. Uh, what did what did y'all? We we kind of have hinted at it already, but what did y'all take away? What did y'all think about just in general after watching it again? I. I really liked it this time. I think this one is actually more rewarding on the rewatch for me. I think the first first time I saw it, I just wasn't really able to process a lot of it. And I've only seen this like now three times, I think. And so I yeah. think that's helped as well. I felt a little exhausted at the point of watching Return of the Jedi. I think I made the mistake of not watching Return of the Jedi immediately after Empire Strikes Back or like close to it. Like I waited mm. a while. And that was a mistake. So I was a little tired when I watched Return of the Jedi, which was my favorite Star Wars movie. I don't know if it's still up there. Not that this has taken its place. But, but this kind of hyped me into a new trilogy. Like it didn't it doesn't have to feel like a direct continuation of Return of the Jedi because it's a whole different trilogy at 30 years in the future, roughly. And it's got all these different uh, special effects, which that was just something I noticed like immediately. Yeah. Is that this is just top tier effects wise. Mm -hmm. Maybe the best effects of all of the whole sequel trilogy is all in this movie. Mm -hmm. Last, I Jedi, think I, Last Jedi was good, but. Yeah. Last Jedi for me. Well, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, but. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Now, I I think that for me that first line back in when i first heard it in 2015 the first line when it said this will begin to make things right mm. for me hit differently this time around and not in a good way mm. i think because i think back in 2015 yeah i felt that like a hundred percent like this this is the start of you know a whole new i don't i wouldn't want to say a whole new universe but another chapter within the star wars universe and when i heard that line this time around it was just really tainted and it had nothing to do with this movie i think it's just the idea of you know just how much hate that the sequels get mm. it is that this movie didn't set things right if anything it caused more of a stir um but i just wanted to make that comment just just because you know it's how i felt when that line was said but i think for a movie as a whole I really had a lot of fun with this movie, kind of in the same lines of Spencer. I caught things in this movie that I didn't catch yeah. all the other times I watched The Force Awakens. And I would say I watched The Force Awakens, or I've, I've seen it probably about six times, six to seven times, I times. think. Uh, just because I I think that the the acting is incredible. The banter is amazing. And... I really do think that this story was a great start for the trilogy. Mm. I think it the it it set all the foundations that it needed to in this movie, and yes, it's not the Force Awakens' fault that the the Last Jedi or even the Rise of Skywalker didn't follow what they had you know planted. Um, so I don't want to knock the Force Awakens for doing that. In saying that, one of the questions that I was asked by you know uh, a member of the star wars community that i've been chatting with one of the questions he wanted to ask and luke you can answer this whenever you respond and when you talk about you know how you felt yeah but does this movie get better after five years or does it get worse mm. yeah okay so i'll i'll think about that on the back burner real quick as i as i uh kind of explain some of what i felt about this movie so, um, like Spencer, I, this was, I believe, only my third time watching it. 
Um, watched it once in theaters, which was awesome to be able to, that, that was my first midnight premiere where I actually like stayed up and held a spot and stood in line and everything for that. And so real exciting time, um, was a big fan of the movie whenever it came out. Uh, second time I watched it was in college and then third time today. Uh, so, so a lot of my opinion so there's, there's an interesting level of things that have stayed the same after this rewatch and things that have changed a little bit. And the things that have changed a little bit probably aren't going to be very popular. So we'll, we'll see <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, but the thing that has stayed the same is that this movie just does not personally speak to me uh, for the most part. I think it's a pretty solid movie. And like you said, fantastic acting, fantastic visual effects and like even like some really good lines and, and good kind of dialogue writing. Uh, but there, there, I realized as the movie was coming to a close that I don't think that there was a specific moment where I was just like blown away. Like, I was, and, and I don't think it's because I have Star Wars fatigue because I I've watched all the other movies like so many times and I've always been able to enjoy the parts that um, I think were the, the really strongest parts, but there's just something about this one where I, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it doesn't quite hit me the same way as other movies do. Um, now the thing that uh, changed that I changed my mind about in this movie um I, I do agree, and I, it's not necessarily that I didn't believe this before, but I do agree that this movie sets a good foundation for the rest of the sequel trilogy. Uh, but I, the thing, my change of mind is that I now kind of, I'm on the verge of believing in the unity of story between all three of the sequel movies but with a, a very careful qualification. I think in the past, whenever we've considered uh, The Last Jedi's kind of relationship to The Force Awakens, we've had two options where either we believe that Ryan just went off on his own thing and JJ said, no, nah, it's all right, I'll fix it later, or that JJ um, really was overseeing everything uh, from the get-go, like I think it was kind of hinted at by, you know, the JJ and others. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think that, um, I, I think very much that Ray and Ben's story is a unity throughout all three of the movies. I think where the sequels, especially falter story wise is in using Finn and to a lesser degree in using Poe. Um, Kind of my some of my thoughts in this are echoing some of uh, John Boyega's uh, complaints about the sequels. Is that I, he's on record somewhere saying you knew what to do with her, as in Daisy, but he didn't know what to do with me. And I think that's exactly what happened. Um, and we see that in a few different parts here. Um, and so I think. Uh, my my perspective now, and this is open to change as we rewatch two and or rather eight and nine. But my perspective now is that Ryan truly did write and direct all of Last Jedi, but that JJ had more oversight over the Ray story, Ray and Ben story, than he used in the Finn story. Um, now, as for whether I think this movie gets better over age. Um, I, I, in rewatching this, like you said, was able to appreciate a lot more things like great acting from Adam Driver and Harrison Ford, especially, uh, and, uh, the great design and, and there's a lot of really good kind of individual moments in it. Um, so to a certain degree, I think I liked it better on this rewatch than I did on my last one. Um, but I don't know, for me, it's more or less stayed, uh, steady for me. 
So I did some research that might give some insight to Luke's point because I noticed only because we're working on the Indiana Jones rewatch right now coming in a month ish that we were talking about Lawrence Kasdan who wrote, he was writing Raiders and Lucas was like the, the, the original guy writing empire strikes back passed away. Mm -hmm. And Lucas is like, I don't have anybody Kasdan, please fix the script. Like it doesn't have any good dialogue but I kind of have a story. And he was like, uh, no, because you haven't even read Raiders yet. So then he forced Lucas to read Raiders, even though Lucas believed in him. And then Kazan basically made Empire a lot of its dialogue and emotional subtext. That's his writing. Mm -hmm. And then he also helped write Return of the Jedi. Uh, Lucas asked him all three times to come back for the prequels, but he wanted Lucas to write his own and direct his own story. Hmm because he had so much interference with the original trilogy is what Kazan told them because they're, they're butts or whatever. Right. Then 2013 rolls around basically in the whole plan of buying of Disney, buying star Wars was making more movies. And they basically got, they roped Kazan into writing force awakens or at least having a lot of creative control there because they said you can write solo. Hmm. And so Kazan wrote solo. And then he also co-wrote this with Abrams who he really admired. And then also when they were writing Force Awakens, Kasdan had a week where he spent with Ryan Johnson working on mm. storyboards. Okay. So, so it seems like, so the link is probably less J.J. Abrams then and more Lawrence Kasdan. I think it's a little both, but yeah, I think yeah. Kasdan's kind of was kind of, and then he didn't, he was like, I'm not writing eight and nine. I'm going to go do solo. So I think there's some kind of disconnect. And of course, the Duel of the Fates and like Rise of Skywalker was a crazy time. So I don't yeah. know exactly what fell there. But I'm here to defend this movie. Um, I think it's really good. I don't think I think there are some remarkable moments, but I also will probably find I think listeners will find me somewhere in the middle because I don't like parts that a lot of people like. <laughs> and I like other things, so. Well, speaking to that, let's let's go ahead and talk about some of the things that we really did enjoy from this movie. Uh, Luke, what what did you really like? Uh, so I thought I thought Han was perfect in this movie. Um, I, I just from the moment that you see him, um, and from the moment that we see the Millennium Falcon, even I think. Um, even if Harrison Ford isn't wild about the Star Wars universe and the Star Wars fan base, he he really does know how to act, um, and and because Han seems so genuine in this movie, and so I would say just most of the scenes where Han is is on are pretty great. Now I, I do like, you know, I just I like all the actors in this movie. Um, you know, uh, I don't remember his name, but he's one of the Weasley brothers who plays General Hux. Oh, I feel uh, too. I feel he that. makes he ma he makes such a good kind of villain to hate, uh, and it's like in a good way. I think but, his last name is Gleason. Is Dom Dom Hall Gleason? Okay. Yeah. Very good. His dad is also an actor. If that sounds familiar. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think I <laughs> maybe I wasn't really watching this in the best headspace because I was I was being I was trying to understand it a lot more and less and I wasn't just kind of on a, like there for the ride. I think that's how I I I wasn't in the best headspace for when I watched Return of the Jedi, so I feel you there. Man, there's some great moments. Uh, the Return of the Millennium Falcon is nothing short of amazing for me. That was a really remarkable moment. I think the trailer was so big that it might have... I mean, they kind of had to do the Millennium Falcon in the trailer, but still good. Uh, obviously, Han and Chewie's banter makes more sense that it's so good because it's the writer of Empire Strikes Back mm -hmm. is writing the dialogue. So, of course, that's coming back. There's just a lot of great moments from this, mostly on his part. I like Poe Dameron. Uh, David and I have been Poe Dameron fans for a long time, and he's pretty good in this movie. And then I think Finn gets a lot 
so much more play in this movie and i'm i'm pretty mad at all also how they didn't really follow it up but like, you Rise know skywalker I... kind of tried to patch it but it just didn't totally work i kind of think part of the reason why i haven't i didn't enjoy like a lot of this watch and i and don't get me wrong i did and i did enjoy watching it but i think part of the reason why i didn't get to fully enjoy it is because i was looking at it like in order to be like a fair critic both giving a defense for the sequels and like acknowledging where parts were weak so basically the reason why i didn't enjoy it very much is more to say about toxic fans than it is to say about force awakens itself yeah i think that's also an unfortunate truth is man you just look at these films and you're just like man people really really hate this movie yeah like even even today i was on tiktok and this woman was talking through star wars stuff and she was just like three reasons why the rise of skywalker was a terrible movie uh and as if anybody needed that (laughs) as if as if there weren't like a million people already spouting that everywhere and so my my complaint isn't even necessarily that she believes those things. I mean, if you genuinely don't like a movie, you know, who am I to try and convince you that your movies are good? But when you start telling other people, mm. Hey, this movie stinks and yeah. you need to think the way that I do. And not that she was forcing anybody to believe that, but even the fact that she was putting those thoughts out there. Yeah. There's, and yeah. There's kind of an implied claiming like, truth. Yeah to those things it just wasn't it just it wasn't it yeah. and and i think i think one thing that we we absolutely must love the force awakens for is that it has awakened star wars to like a new generation of kids like i i love you know seeing um cousins seeing like little kids dressed up as as ray and and you know, Finn and Poe and just different people that, you know, this thing that I love from, I'm going to say that my generation is, is the prequels, although it's in reality, because I'm Gen Z, it's more like the sequels, but um, that, you know, this gets to continue on with another group and, and they love it just like I loved Revenge of the Sith. And so you really... You shouldn't fault the sequels too hard whenever they do things like that. And also, I think people don't... I mean, this was super well-received in my memory when it first came out. At the time, yes. The time between this movie and The Last Jedi was like golden age for this movie. And it kind of... I think the controversy with The Last Jedi kind of shadowed out this whole movie, which is why people don't talk about it very much. Right. But man, there's some Uh, good stuff in here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And... So like, like when I said, you know, I used to really love the line, you know, this would begin, this will begin to make things right. Like I love that in 2015 because I was just like, we're entering to this new age of star Wars and I'm so excited for that. But now when I think about that line, I was just like, man, I wish that was true. (laughs) But I think some of the things that I really enjoyed from the force awakens one is Luke, like you said, Harrison Ford and Mm -hmm. his acting acting job here in this film was nothing short of phenomenal yeah like it was just really really good and he i watched the rise of skywalker documentary and he spoke in that Mm, and but i'll save that i'll I'll save that for the rise of skywalker when we talk about it um but my opinion of harrison ford and how he views star wars has has changed okay a, a bit um but harrison ford was great in this movie and also i was just i was just really really touched by ray's story yeah like because i have seen the other films some of her lines hit differently for mm-hmm. me than they than they did at the time that it came out like the whole her whole family just like they'll come back mm. one day yeah. like so it's you 
I don't know. I rave just for me was a little bit more relatable mm. and just a lot of fun to see her development. And I have defenses for her in terms of her battle with Kylo Ren and why, I mean, it, it, it may not calm people down and it may not even just help them in terms of rationalizing why she defeated Kylo Ren. But for me personally, the fact that I know how and why she actually did it when that happened, it made a whole lot more sense. And I was able to just enjoy it for what it was. Cause I was like, Ooh, this is why. And, and I was able to just sit there and be a fan and just love it. Like, yeah. To me, I, to me, when I saw that scene, I didn't think, man, this doesn't make sense. How could Kylo Ren the, and then do what everyone else yeah. I think still does and be like, this is just not good. Well, if you make if it makes you feel better, I'm I'm right there on the same track with you. Where I think we have more than enough reason to explain why Ray is able to do the things that she does, and I think a lot of the times whenever we see. Uh, people complaining about it or calling her a Mary Sue or something because they don't have the vocabulary to use any other words. Uh, um, I, I think a lot of it is they are purposely or maybe not pers- purposefully, but they are leaving out information that is, is useful for understanding how the force works, how Ray is able to do different things like fly a ship or, fight with a lightsaber or different things like that. Um, or that's not how the force works. (laughs) The, I think even that line in a lot of ways actually does help, help the argument with Ray because, you know, Finn, he's under the impression that the force is something that, you know, you just necessarily, you just say force go and then it'll happen. But no, the, the force is, is, in you and it works through you as was said in this movie by i believe maz and probably and you even hear it in yoda um in the little snippets that you hear uh from him but that is how the force works through ray and so whenever you have somebody who is extremely i guess we're getting into this right now we're getting whenever, yeah go for it whenever please. you have somebody who is extremely force sensitive like ray it doesn't matter if you have um like all the training in the world, the force makes you extremely intuitive. Um, I, and I have a, a couple of different proofs for this. I think um, one of the first things that I think of, and I'm, I'm sorry, Spencer, I know you're not uh, familiar with this series of star Wars, but it's been like six episodes since I've made a KOTOR reference. So and <laughs> in, in, in Knights of the old Republic, um, should, I feel like this is, this is a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear the spoiler, then I don't know. Can you put a time signature in David? Sure. Okay. Very good. Um, so just go to that time signature, but so in Knights of the old Republic, uh, you play a, a person who was trained in the force and, uh, was strong in the force, but then loses their memory. And so after they lose their memory, um, they uh, are kind of through some different events. They are alerted to their force sensitivity and are brought into the, the Jedi Order again. And I don't believe that. And, and then this character excels through the training and is able to learn everything so fast. And I don't think it has to do with muscle memory or anything else because remember he has no memory at all he is completely complete amnesiac but this character was exceedingly strong in the force and so of course he's going to learn everything super fast because he is so strongly connected to the force i think i just blew david's brain (laughs) So you're telling me that the same people who complain about Ray being able to do all those things are also the same people clamoring for Knights of the Old Republic to become canon yeah. and for them to remake them. Yep. Wow. And, and it's just the same situation, but they don't like one of them and they like the other one. 
Wow. This does not surprise that is me. It's so though. good. There's like these, there's double standards like this all the time, I feel like. But it is annoying. Yeah. It is annoying. Yeah. It is annoying. Wow. So, Man, shoot. So that is one of the things that I, I thought about in watching this movie. So even if you are kind of let down that I wasn't like all up in arms over this movie, don't worry. I still have some insights. <laughs> I have some forced thoughts, actually. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll come back. I want to come back to talk about the forced vision sequence. I feel like yeah. we kind of have to talk about that. No, I, yeah, I, we do. I, I yeah. think these are just it, these are just Spencer's random associated force thoughts. Yeah. Uh, trademark. Re- Registered trademark. Yes. So I feel like I was corrected on this maybe last time I was on this podcast, but I feel like in the past I always thought that Han was force sensitive. Like he wasn't a Jedi, had no training, but he's got the force. And then people would correct me like, no, he doesn't have the force. That this makes sense. And then Han proceeds to shoot a stormtrooper without even looking at him. Oh yeah. So I was like, that's that's got to be something. And then I feel like there's some amount of force sensitivity with Finn as well, but not necessarily in this movie. I So on the first, on point one, I think, yes, I, I've never been one to be anti-force sensitivity Han because, I mean, he is a figure touched by destiny. And so it doesn't surprise me that he's able to do amazing things like all the stunts that he pulls with the Millennium Falcon. Also, just because this is a very small point, um, I think the sequels trilogy have the most extreme stunts with the Millennium Falcon. And so that's fun. That's fun to watch. Um, But anyways, so Han being force sensitive, although not to the, like the same degree as a Jedi. Yeah. all, All on board for that. I'm raising my thumb, but it's too close to the camera, so you can't see it. Um, and the people listening can't see it at all. Uh, <laughs> um, as for Finn being Force-sensitive, I think he is, and I think we do see it in this movie. Maybe not to the degree that we see it in uh, Rise of Skywalker, but... Um, I, I'm I'm very much a believer that Finn is connected to the Force. And my third point is just a question, so yeah. I'm gonna get that back to you. Is Ray the most powerful, like immediate Force user, aside from Grogu and probably assuming Yoda? In the probably in the nine, I guess to limit my question. It's a good question, and. David, do you have any thoughts on this? I do have a thought, but I want you to go first. Well, so let me let me respond to your first two points. I think, yes, Han is, I wouldn't say he's overly force sensitive, but I think the force is working through him in the same way that I think the force is working through Poe Dameron. Mm-hmm. The fa- because Poe also, the scene where he's just shooting all the TIE fighters oh, yeah. out of the sky on uh Maz Kanata's planet. I don't you know, know what it's called. Takodana. Yeah, I can't it remember. It's Takodana. Yeah, Takodana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when he's doing that, my mind immediately went to the comic to where Luke gives his parents this like tree that was once I think at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant mm. that and it and poe used to play on that tree all the time as he was growing up but it's like a force tree Mm. and so he was able like the force was able to rub off on him or something along to those effects and i wouldn't say like that happened with han solo but i think the fact that the force can work through him in that kind of way that it works through poe is true finn is force sensitive and that was confirmed by jj abrams after like the rise of skywalker So I think you're absolutely right to think that as well. In terms of is Ray the most powerful, like almost in an instant? Because Yoda's more powerful than she is ultimately, even at her height, I think. I think that's that's yet to be seen. Because uh, I don't want I don't want to speak for Ray at this point in time. I mean, at this point in time, but I think no but that's okay Hmm. yeah just because i don't i we really we really don't know yoda's story really that much so i can't say that she's over yoda so i think uh 
as Obi as Obi Wan Kenobi says, the archives may be incomplete. Um, nice for us for us to say that. But I do think that the way that she communicates with the Force through the Force and learns from the Force is pretty quick and it has to do with the scene with kylo when he's trying to read her mind and penetrate it yeah she's she's able to flip that yeah and access all of kylo's training because in that scene because her force sensitivity has made her really intuitive yes. and so mm-hmm. she's able to learn so she's able to learn everything that kylo knows in that moment uh and it sounds like what happened to Chuck in the Chuck TV series? Um, <laughs> wow, there's a Chuck good reference, reference from, from yeah. David. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like that's what happened with Ray. And so, was she able to? Did she unlock like force abilities from that moment? Yes, I think so. And was she more powerful than I think a lot of Jedi would have like are? Absolutely. Um, do I think that she's more powerful than? yoda uh no Hmm. at least not yet not that not that we've seen yet guys i know the force (laughs) nice as in like i know kung fu i know kung fu yeah i know Um, force foo (laughs) so here's my thoughts about the situation want to hear my thoughts on the situation I, i would love to there are a couple things one thing is that the Force, through primarily Legends, has had a troubled past with cloning. And so, mm. I, I, I'm pretty sure that what you see through the Force Unleashed series is that sometimes, whenever, well, sometimes whenever you clone and you try to make them Force sensitive, they just go crazy and aren't useful. Um, but other times they become immensely powerful. And if the, the, the technique to do that in some way involved Palpatine's genetics and in some way involved something from Grogu, whose just race is extremely force sensitive, I think that can lead to, obviously the, the clones weren't, the clone uh, man wasn't force sensitive but his offspring was and i think that can lead to a very strong kind of level of connection to the force mm. uh, yeah so that's an interesting thought yeah that that's that's my main thought as for ray and i guess for lack of a better term like her her power level uh to get all are you saying that are you saying I don't want to talk about Palpatine right now? I just don't. But well, too bad. We're gonna talk about it even more. Uh, oh gosh. I so did Palpatine as a clone. He, he was a clone when he had his first children. No. It was his first clone of himself. No, no. His, his so it's his child. So it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like what Django did. Yeah, with Boba. Like it wasn't him the clone it was like a son of his that he would try and like possess his body but it turned out that his clone wasn't force sensitive so he just allowed him to go out into the universe to live get married and then have offspring and hopefully that offspring was to be force sensitive it was he would then he would then you know try to you know have his spirit go into that offspring which was ray wow i don't don't remember that at all i remember he made clones of himself or something but in rise of skywalker but i didn't catch the i guess the other parts or whatever yeah because well, like, the other he's parts supposed to be kind of worked around well he's yeah he's supposed to be so i guess in rise of skywalker they revealed that palpatine was snoke this whole time Palpatine was manipulating Snoke, and Snoke was a clone produced by Palpatine. But he's not actually, he's not a direct clone of Palpatine? No, nor is Palpatine in 100% control. Snoke has some level of autonomy. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was, Snoke was an agent of Palpatine. Okay. 
I guess I yeah. can stomach that a little more. Shout out to Andy Circus, by the way. Yeah, he's I thought good. he was great. Oh, he's really good at Snoke. Uh, Random side was... note: Did you guys think that in the first time watching it that it was always a hologram, or do you think I thought he was, was big. a giant man? I thought he was, I thought a, he was big a big man. That was a big. No, man. I think everyone. I think everyone thought that he was big, and then finally, whenever you like see him in Last Jedi, it shimmered. Or, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah whenever it shimmers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, then you're just like, oh, good. good. It's just a, it's just a hologram. He's a, and he's, someone... he's a big old boy. The big boy. Overcompensating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about now Kylo Ren yeah. and just his story in this film. I Adam Driver is just so mm. good at what he does. And him exploring this character was amazing. I will say that the tantrums that he had, the like the outbursts that he had, are still a little bit confusing for me. Okay. I think, I think he's so young in this movie. Yeah. Where, like Adam Driver plays such a young character almost. Yeah. So so I had a lot of I had a lot more positive feelings about Adam Driver and Kylo Ren this movie than I did in both of my previous watches of The Force Awakens because and I realized today that it was because I wanted a different villain than what they were writing. But after seeing, kind of like knowing the ending, I actually prefer the villain that they gave me. And so I, I think a lot of it is the, the fact that Kylo Ren doesn't tear through his own people, I think is supposed to show us that he's not fully given into the ways of the dark side. That if he still values human life in some way, then... He, there's something keeping him from doing as much damage as he would if you were just fully given into it. Um, I didn't think about that uh, at well, all. Another, yeah. An, yeah, I never thought that. Well, either. and yeah. and the reason, another kind of thing that goes with this is something that I originally hated in the first two watches of this movie. I hated <laughs> that Adam Driver took off his helmet because he didn't look menacing, and I realized on this rewatch that's the point. The point is that he doesn't wow. look like a villain. And that's why I think Ray especially kind of is is trying to Sim- do so good. Yeah, is trying to Yeah, exactly. He's he's a and like you said, he's a very young man, and yet somehow he's thrown into the number two position of the dark forces. And it's just crazy. But you know, it's it's there's a lot of conflict in him and and it's really interesting to watch this movie and you know it's kind of if you're familiar with uh screw tape letters by c.s lewis um there's some aspect of that that kind of plays through because you know uh kylo is talking to snoke and he's like oh man i feel like i'm being seduced by the light side and it's, it's funny because like you know in the demons and screw tape you know, it's 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 God. It's 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 good things that they refer to as evil, um, because it's all about their point of view, uh, from a certain point of view, I suppose. But yeah, uh, and one of the things since we're kind of talking about you know that draw to the light yeah. that Kylo's talking to, I all especially the first couple of times when I watched this, I never really understood why kylo ren was talking to the helmet of darth vader yeah. so i'm just like you know that you know that he's turned back to the light side but actually that's not the case no. like he was never told the history of the rise and fall of darth vader and the redemption of anakin skywalker like he wasn't told that yeah. so snoke whenever he was working on kylo and trying to turn him over to the dark side he just talked about his grandfather that was Darth right. Vader. And so the idea of I will finish what you started shows even in the dark side that that there's a lot of lies that are told yeah. in order to harness someone's power. Exactly. Like in order to court them to do evil. And so when I watched it this time around, I was just like, poor Ben. Yeah. Like he doesn't even know like the real history of his grandfather and how his grandfather would actually be looking at right. him 
And, and, and I think to, to go to your point and to give Spencer a little bit more heartburn, um, uh, the rise of Skywalker, you know, it, there's a very important line that Palpatine gives us. And that is that I have been every voice that you have heard in your head. And whenever he says mm, that, he, he yeah. goes in between his own voice, Snoke's voice, and Darth Vader's voice. And so whenever I was watching the movie this time, I was asking the same question as you. is like, why is Kylo so attached to his grandfather? And I think there is probably an aspect of it where he has heard Darth Vader speaking. I don't know why else Palpatine would use Vader's voice at the end. Um, unless he had used it beforehand, but yeah, that's good. Um, speaking of Kylo Ren, there's something that I want to talk to you all about that I had as a question, and I don't necessarily have an answer for this, but it's I think it it should prove for a good small discussion. So the scene on the bridge, whenever they're on Star Killer Base, um, you know. Kylo has taken off his mask and his, he and his father are really close together. And he, he starts to hand his, his lightsaber to Han. The, I'm trying to think of a good way to pose this question without kind of hinting it in the direction that I've been thinking of. Um, but I, so I guess I'll just ask, I'll just stop right here and I'll ask, do you think that there was ever a part of him that, tr that was really going to um, return with his father or was he always going to kill him there? I feel like the music, I noticed a lot that the, the music was kind of trying to fool you this time. I was trying to pay attention a little more to that. And I thought there's like almost this hopeful theme. And then they realized that Kylo won't let go of the lightsaber yeah. and the theme changes and then Kylo kills him. So I kind of, that doesn't exactly answer that question, but I don't, I don't think that Kylo was going to leave with him. And I love Kylo's redemption later, but I don't think it was going to, it was a possibility now. No, because the whole point of this scene was to, was Kylo thought that by killing his father, that he would be able to fully submit to the dark side and if anything, it just caused him to be even more confused. Mm -hmm. Like he he couldn't really, like he felt so much guilt and shame from doing that. It didn't give him the emotions. It didn't give him the sense of resolve that he wanted. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he was always going to go through with it. I just don't think that it, it gave him what he really wanted. Right. So I'm going to offer a little bit of a different perspective just as something for y'all to think about and for our listeners to think about. Um, I don't know if I where I necessarily land on this issue, but on the rewatch, I noticed that, you know, it's not just them that are in the situation, but of course, there's all the stormtroopers and there's also Chewie. But more importantly, there is Finn and Rey. And where are they situated? They're situated at the balcony that's looking over that all the things with a doorway that leads to outside. And what I noticed mm -hmm. on this watch that I never noticed before is that while they're on the bridge and after uh, Kylo has handed his lightsaber to his father, the sun goes dark. Now, yep. if you remember, mm -hmm. Poe said that as long as there is light, there is hope. And so... Um, I think it's very possible that what has happened is because this is like the only light source going into the room that Kylo, mm -hmm. um, while the light was out, was seriously considering and seriously prepared to return home. But once the light had gone dim, he realized the position that the Starkiller base was in. And of course, if Starkiller base was successful, then there was nowhere for him to go. There was no hope anywhere other than where he already was. And that is why he then holds on to his lightsaber, holds on to his old ways, his old master, and kills his father. 
I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah, I am too. Because it's very, it's really compelling. And again, it just, wow. I, I can, I can completely see that. Um, can I share some of the aspects of this movie that I didn't like? Yeah, go ahead. Cause we're, we're running out of time. So, well, I can, I can basically sum it up in, in one point and that is the go introduction of characters that have the air of knowing things, but nobody in the world knows who they are. And by that, I mean in this movie, and I think this is a theme that carries out through most of the sequels, but in this movie, there's Laura Santeca and Maz Kanata. And I just yep. don't know why they exist in this movie. I really don't. Why didn't you get like Wedge or somebody for the beginning of the movie? Why'd you get Laura Santeca, who is literally in no other Star Wars content? Like I was gonna ask who the old guy is because I was like, am I supposed to know who this is? Well, I'll I'll let you know. He's not important. He 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 has a role in the galaxy, but he has almost no content attributed to his name. And so, why is this the opening scene to your movie? And why do I care if Kylo cuts him down? Wouldn't I care a lot more if it was somebody like Wedge or any of the other minor characters from the old rebellion? You know? Yes. I will say that Lore Santeca does get story in the Kylo Ren comics because he goes along with Ben and Luke to find Jedi like artifacts mm-hmm. in order to help rebuild. But the thing is, is that that comes out after this yeah. movie. So you you can't so you're giving story to people who we we've already seen them in content and so it's too late for them to get a backstory before they're you know before they're killed yeah. in the force awakens so it's so yes the response to you know who why why do we care about Laura Santeca and I, and I have very bittersweet feelings about Laura Santeca because he has one of the best lines in this movie and that's not this will begin to make things right, but it is something far worse has happened to you. Yeah. That is a fantastic line. And oh my goodness, yep. how it would have hit if it was somebody that the audience knew. We don't see any familiar faces in this movie until 40 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And that's rough. Is that when we see Han? Yes, that's when we see Han. Even when we talk about Maz Kanata, like according to star wars weekly yeah. you know which is you know where we get most because i feel like that information is pretty accurate. i had to look up a lot but of wikipedia says, information for this one yeah but but for Maskanada, it was it said that she's a you know friend of the skywalker family yeah and how how, <laughs> how do we know that how would we know that i mean it, it said that she you know was very famous for like being a pirate queen and then it it said that Anakin Skywalker as a little boy, you know, had kind of like a doll or sculpture of her. So like she was known even like on Tatooine and stuff like that. But without that context, without that detail, like I love Maz Kanata. I think she's amazing in this movie. Um, But like you said, like we, we don't know her very well, but she knows everything and, and we don't know her. Um, which I think it's okay. Um, I like I didn't have a big issue with it, but I think for what you're talking about with Santeca, his death really just doesn't mean anything without the context of, okay, how how does Lore and Kylo know mm-hmm. each other? Because they seem to know each other, right. but we just we we didn't know that story until you know the comics came out. But yeah, no, I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So. Those are, I have other thoughts that were born out of watching this movie, but a lot of them are kind of more just trilogy specific. So um, I'll, I'll just save those for later on, I think. I have a, a couple of thoughts. So I love the Force Vision sequence. Oh, yes, we didn't talk think, about that. We didn't even talk about that. Um, I, I guess I'll talk about it. Yeah, please. The, um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing is great. Yeah. For listeners that don't know, they took... Oh my gosh, I'm losing it. Ben Kenobi. Uh, Alec Guinness. 
They took Alec yeah. Guinness saying, I think Sir the word Alec afraid. Guinness. Yes. Yes. And they took Ray out of that. And then the other part mm-hmm. of the statement, these are your first steps, is you and McGregor. Which is lovely. Just fantastic. And yep. then Maz Kanata actually said that lightsaber was Luke Skywalker's and his father before him. Mm-hmm. And now it calls to you. Yep. I never thought that Ray was actually Luke slash Han and Leia's daughter, but I would say that it, it it does make her kind of proverbial Skywalker, which is a nice finish with Rise of Skywalker. Like they came back to that. Uh, some other things, just something I didn't like. I never really, I like Hux's speech just because of Domo Gleason's acting, mm-hmm. but I don't like almost anything about Starkiller base oh, yeah. or any of that. Cause it's like, Oh, it can, it's a little frustrating. Cause one shot just takes out, 15 planets or something like a little ridiculous and really breaking a lot of just previous continuity like that's just too much and also i think it destroyed coruscant no and then duel of the fates was supposed to include coruscant so i guess it didn't i'm so just confused that's coruscant's not the capital of the republic in the sequel right era. so that's that's um, what i figured but i was like it's yeah just it's, silly. it's some other i didn't one. like star killer base like that made it a little more formulaic than i liked there's there's but a- i do feel like this movie is a good kind of true star wars movie but there's, i didn't need that to do that as as for uh hux and his speech i thought it was really funny how like in the 70s and the 80s the empire was always referred to as the space nazis and so i guess whenever is- i guess <laughs> whenever they were writing force awakens we we're like we're really going to pour into the nazi aspect of it <laughs> we're leaning straight into <laughs> yeah. it yeah um and then, and you're not, you're really going to hate this, Spencer. <laughs> oh, no. But I, I, I have to ask myself the question, is it cheap that they did a planet killer again? And I thought the answer was yes. But there's, I think, one way that it's not. And it's the way that they chose Whenever your main villain is the same throughout the entire saga, it's not unbelievable. It's it's not unbelievable to expect that he'll have the same modus operandi, that he's going to go for the same type of things, but with different variations. I mean, I I think it's fine. It's the same mind behind it all. (laughs) Well, what I'll say to that is that. I'm going to formally apologize to Spencer and to other people who I've told that Palpatine was always in the plans because he was not. Um, he was not. I found that I found that out like really just thinking through because I was listening to our last, you know, the last conversation we had over the sequels uh, and like the ori- like Duel of the Fates, which was going to be the original episode nine, didn't have Palpatine in it like at all. Mm hmm. But the yeah. Colin so he was never, one, yeah. Yeah, so he was never going to be revealed as that. Um, it just... Palpatine actually being written as the villain, though, now kind of makes sense when you put it in that yeah. way. Of just like, it's not so crazy to have a planet killer in three different instances when it's from the same one guy. Right. Yeah, so I, I, I believe me, I don't think that it... I'm not saying that this was all forethought out. I'm just saying that it's kind of a happy accident that that yep, the and that and and maybe even to suggest that the solution that they made for writing uh, the Rise of Skywalker was not as much of a nostalgia grab as it it has previously been kind of viewed as. I also mm-hmm. think in this rewatch that Return of the Jedi wasn't all planet killer thing like i feel like they destroyed the death star kind of before it was super operational um it was destroying Ooh, chips that thing's operational but yeah. like billy D says blowing it. up planets he does say it but still well they're they're also not it's also a bigger death star than the last one it's a bigger death star and also they're all the rebels are there there's no planet to destroy so it was fully operational but all the pe- all the forces that they were trying to defeat were like right at their front door. Yeah. So there was no planet to destroy if all of them were there. But in saying that, we have to wrap it up. Yeah, we do. So uh, 
Spencer, I want you to go first, then Lee, you can yeah. go after that. But quickly just say favorite character, favorite scene. And if you first. have a track, favorite track. I yeah. Well, track. favorite track is Ray's theme. Obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's also mine. Uh, I'm going to actually go with Finn. Just because he doesn't... I feel like he has some good moments in the other two, but he did really well mm-hmm. in this movie, and I really liked a lot of his... Some of his lines made me chuckle. He had a lot of good, like, one-offs with BB-8. I like on uh, Jakku where he's like... I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's like, this... Does anyone have a blaster in here? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just losing his mind, and he's really good, really good acting. Yeah. So there's a lot of great acting in this movie, but yeah, I'll say Finn. Um, as for me, I just remember that there's a whole aspect of this movie that I haven't even touched on yet. <laughs> uh, but my favorite character is going to be Han, and here's the reason why, and here's the thing that I've not talked about yet. I, I started making a list of all the different things that were like mirror images of A New Hope in different Star Wars movies. You know, it's like poetry, it rhymes. Um, just ob- like obligated to say that. Uh, yeah. But Han Solo is the Ben Kenobi in this movie in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it just yep. struck me on this watch. And so yeah uh, um if you really i i think they're pretty self-evident if you whenever you watch them but if you need to know the specifics i guess you can get in contact with us somehow through our email i guess but um and then uh my my favorite track is uh ray's theme but i will also say that jedi steps is also fantastic which is probably what david was gonna say (laughs) Uh, no, I wasn't going to say that. Uh, I would say my favorite track is March of the Resistance. Really? Yeah, I just, it just gets me pumped up. Like, it's, especially in the scene that it's in, it's just really powerful and really just hits differently. I will say that my favorite character in this movie, I think it's Ray. I think yeah. Ray is, is my, I, and I think what I'm realizing as well when watching this through the rewatch series is raising my top five for mm. all time Jedi. Like she yeah. really is. I think that's and fair. I, and I think she has a strong case to be, to be in that list um, more than people I think will give her credit for. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, but I just think Ray has overcome so much and is still an amazing person. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see that in her scene with BB eight at the beginning of the movie. Um, we see that with her relationship with Finn Mm -hmm. and we see it with Han and Chewie of just everyone's on her side. Everyone supports her for what she's doing and rightly so. And she is the Daisy Ridley was the perfect person to cast in this role. Oh Um, yes. She did. She did so good. I really hope that she comes back to star Wars and, does a disney plus series and i have an idea of what that will look like and it has to do with kyle katarn um but i will i will share that in uh in another episode my favorite scene though is han and kylo yeah i don't know why but whenever han is stabbed by kylo ren and then he puts his hand like to stroke like to touch yeah, Kylo's face, that is, and the look in it, and the look in his eyes, like I got emotional, like I started tearing up, um, which just makes that scene in the Rise of Skywalker so much better. Yes, um, but we'll get to that. Yes, but we will. I, I, so I, I, I'm guessing what I'm hearing from Luke, especially, but I think from all three of us, is that the Force Awakens. Is a, is a great film and was a great starter piece to the sequel trilogy. Um, how the trilogy does as a whole on this rewatch is going to be interesting to see. Yeah. So, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us, uh, talking through The Force Awakens. It's always great to have someone who 
is actually in defense of these kinds of things yeah. for the reasons that you stated. And I mean, the fact that this was a movie that got you back into this universe. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, it was great to great to come on. And I just want to say also that I'm glad we were able to make this happen in our schedules because I was like, I've rewatched so many of these movies. I have to talk about yeah. Force Awakens. I have to. So um, yeah. I was glad to take this because I knew no one else. David actually gave me the cream of the crop, basically. He was just like, which one do you want to talk about? And I was like, no one's going to want to talk about Force Awakens, so I'll do it. Because I, I can't stomach talking about Rise of Skywalker. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, uh, yeah. But, of course, you'll be with us to talk about Rise of Skywalker in a couple of weeks. So. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that so? <laughs> Maybe I'll just, oh, come, I'll just come on and we can just record me sighing for, like, 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. No, Every time you say required. something, I'll just be like, oh. That's all I'll be. Uh, no, I'm just gonna take that tie you just did and just and loop just it for yeah. Spencer. Thanks loop. for guesting on the episode. <sighs> Ten hour loop. <laughs> Is this gonna be like background noise for the actual podcast? It'll yeah, be yeah. the it'll be the theme like. <laughs> be like Darth Vader breathing. Exactly. Pretty much. Right. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us as we talk through the Force Awakens, and until we come back with the Last Jedi Whoop. and the Force. Be with you. Always. Always.